Oh, hi there. It's Matthew here from Midland Pictures. How are you? I'm just about to sit down and start an edit, and I thought I'd talk to you maybe about the five most common mistakes I see beginning editors make. Let's go ahead and go on a journey together and talk about it. So in the five mistakes I'm gonna talk about, there's one that pertains specifically to Final Cut Pro 10, but the rest fit more universally with other NLEs, DaVinci, Premiere, even Avid. Now, the type of editing that I'm referring to is more along the lines of the editing that I do, which is more corporate, commercial, social media, YouTube, that kind of thing. I do do short documentary and am starting to toe into feature length documentary and a little bit of short narrative. This does not pertain to feature film or streaming or network television shows. The first mistake that I see beginning editors make consistently is just diving into the software as opposed to really doing a deep dive into some of the basic tutorials for the editing software that they're looking at to get themselves a solid foundation before they actually really start to tackle edits. The biggest risk with just diving into the software, in my opinion, is that you're going to pick up some bad habits. You may also be misunderstanding or ignoring certain features or aspects of the program that are really beneficial to you if you knew them properly. And because you're not getting a proper understanding and orientation first, you're learning how to do things the wrong way or by doing a workaround, or you're actually taking longer to do your edits because you don't know the most efficient way to do things. And I would really recommend looking to other professionals that have been working with the software for a long time, whether it's connected through a Facebook group on Instagram, to get some guidance on what tutorial series might be the best for you as a beginning editor. Just diving in and going in blind can lead to creating some bad habits, not understanding features correctly, and it may set you back further as an aspiring editor. The second mistake that I see is that beginning editors don't take the time to learn keyboard shortcuts. In Final Cut Pro 10, the help menu has a way to access the keyboard shortcuts. Not only a PDF that has all the keyboard shortcuts labeled, but also multi-touch trackpad gestures, mouse gestures, other things that you can do with the interfaces for your computer that help you use Final Cut faster and more efficiently. Now there are a ton of keyboard shortcuts. You want to keep thinking about the things that you're doing most frequently in Final Cut or whatever your NLE is and start thinking about the keyboard shortcuts that are going to take time away from navigating menus and just using those shortcuts to do things very quickly. If you look at some of the other videos on my channel, you'll see that there's numerous Final Cut Pro 10 tutorials that give breakdowns of a lot of the keyboard shortcuts that are most commonly used and some of the ones that are most overlooked that if people knew about them, they would be much better at using Final Cut. So the third mistake that I most commonly see, and this is the one that pertains specifically to Final Cut Pro 10, is beginning editors getting frustrated by the magnetic timeline and figuring out ways or looking up ways on YouTube to turn it off or to disable the magnetic timeline. This, in my opinion, is one of the biggest mistakes a new Final Cut Pro 10 editor can make. The magnetic timeline is an amazing advancement in how editing software works. It truly allows for nonlinear editing to go as fluidly and efficiently as possible. And I am a firm believer that it is the best and most efficient way to edit video and any kind of video, documentary, features, social media content, YouTube videos, whatever 
it is. And after 10 years of using Final Cut, after using Avid and Final Cut 7 for four or five years, it was a no-brainer for me to embrace the magnetic timeline entirely. I'm not gonna do a deep dive into what you need to do and understand about the magnetic timeline to be able to better use it instead of working around it, but I do have a couple videos that will give you some ideas about certain key commands and features that allow you to embrace the magnetic timeline instead of resist it. I have a feeling that for a lot of you who are using the magnetic timeline and are frustrated by it, you simply haven't learned keyboard shortcuts and some of the features in Final Cut Pro 10 that allow you to work with the magnetic timeline instead of against it. The fourth mistake that I see people making is that they're not organized. They're not organized both in Final Cut and with their files in Finder. Now, I'm not gonna do a deep dive on this either because I have a video that I'll link above that talks about one simple thing that you can do to edit much, much faster and more efficiently in Final Cut Pro 10 specifically. But a lot of these core concepts apply to any of you editors that are working in Premiere or DaVinci or Avid. A lot of times what happens is we aren't taking the time to get organized and we wanna dive into that edit because we got a lot of good footage and, and, and we wanna get going right away. So we start putting things in places and starting the edit. We're importing our footage and we're just immediately getting into a timeline and working on things. But as we make revisions and develop our edit, things start to get a little wonky and you're not sure where things are. Stuff gets disconnected. You're not able to reconnect media. You realize that you had the SD card and you had copied stuff into Final Cut without copying it in a library and it was referencing the SD card, but now your SD card is disconnected and things just get really out of hand. The general overview is I use a file tree file folder system in a template form so that every time I start a project, I have a set of folders and subfolders that I can use to store things like audio, footage, stills, graphics, whatever it is that I create or obtain to make an edit. In that video's description, and I'm gonna put one in this description as well, there's a Dropbox link that'll take you to my folder template that you would put in Finder if you're a Mac user to be able to have a place to put all of the media that you're using for a project. So if you just filmed a bunch of stuff on your Canon 5D and you've got your SD card and you put it into your computer and you need some place to put the photos and the video that you captured, this project tree gives you a specific place to put it so that every time you make a project, your stuff is all in the same place. It creates a uniform and organized system for you to follow, and it allows you to create a habit of keeping your footage on the computer side organized. Now in Final Cut, just like in Premiere and Avid, there's ways to organize your footage in folders and bins. In Final Cut, they're called events, folders, and keyword collections. I have a template with that Dropbox link that is to a Final Cut library that has a bunch of events, and folders and keyword collections ready to go so that if you start a project, you have a place to put all of your footage, photos, graphics, audio, whatever you are using to make an edit. If you're an edit a beginning editor who has been frustrated because you haven't been able to organize things, check out my Dropbox link in the description, download my templates, and start using them in Final Cut and in Finder so that you can stay organized with every project that you do. So the last thing, and it's this is usually the biggest problem that I see, and the thing that I see most in some of the Facebook groups that I'm in with photography, videography, editing professionals, hard drives, and what hard drives to use for video editing. This is for some people up to debate, and it's somewhat complicated because there are so many different types of editors, 
And I don't necessarily mean using different software. I mean what people are editing. Some people are editing home movies. Some people are editing social media content with fast turnaround times. Some people are like me and they're editing some commercial stuff, corporate stuff, a little bit of everything. So I have a few hard drives here that you might see. We've got a thumb drive, which I hope no, none of you are editing off of, unless it's like a 256 gigabyte thumb drive that's USB 3.0 or higher. Uh, this is a Lassie rugged hard drive with an SSD in it, one terabyte. This is a four terabyte USB 3.0 uh, portable external hard drive. And this is a like plug-in power, big, dumb, slow, store a bunch of media, but it's hard to edit high-end footage in this because it's so slow type of hard drive. And then I've got down here two RAID arrays by uh, Promise Pegasus. Uh, Pegasus 2 R8 that has 24 terabytes of storage and it's in RAID 5 configuration, so it's 21 terabytes. And then I have a Pegasus 1 R4 with 12 terabytes of storage at RAID 0. You have to be thinking about what type of hard drive is going to be best for the type of work you are doing now and that you're aspiring to do. When I look on the Facebook groups and the forums and hear people asking questions about what hard drives to use or they're having trouble with their hard drives, there's lots of pain points because they're running out of storage, their drives aren't fast enough. The general consensus seems to be for me that some of these editors just don't know a lot about hard drives and that's fine. And some of them I feel like are not factoring in the cost of data when they're charging for the projects that they're being hired to do. I think a lot of times what happens is we get a call to do a video and we're very quickly trying to figure out the lowest price possible that the client's going to say yes to so we don't lose that job. And one of the first things that I think gets overlooked again is what the cost of the data is going to be to do that project. And especially when you're doing projects where the client isn't designing the video, you aren't designing the video, it's sort of a show up and shoot a bunch of footage and then figure it out in the edit bay. And you've got a Sony A7S or an A7R2 or whatever, and it shoots in 4K and you're generating a ton of data. All of a sudden you have 500 gigabytes to a terabyte of footage for one project, but you're trying to edit all of that on like a four terabyte hard drive that also has all of your other projects on it. But then you're also editing 4K H.264 footage off of a slow spinning disk USB 3.0 hard drive. And this is where things kind of break down for a lot of beginning editors. So because we're not charging the client for the data and the types of hard drives that are going to allow us to do the work most efficiently, we're trying to cut corners on the hard drives that we use. The things that you wanna focus on are speed, reliability, and efficiency. Efficiency kind of encompasses several things, but in this example, I'm mostly thinking of how efficient is it at storing a lot of data, especially if you're filming multiple projects. If you have a one terabyte SSD, yes, it's fast, and yes, it's reliable, but it's not terribly efficient because you can very quickly fill up that hard drive and then all of a sudden you've got two, three, four drives that have your projects spread all across them. And if you're thinking about a bunch of SSDs, that can get really expensive, but it can also get expensive to have sort of a hodgepodge of different types of drives at different types of speeds. If you're someone who is receiving a lot of footage or shooting a lot of stuff yourself, you're working in a high-end 1080 or 4K workflow on all of your cameras, and you're creating a lot of data, you're going to have to think about a RAID enclosure or a RAID array type hard drive. Now these can be very expensive, brand new off the shelf, whether you get them from OWC, from Promise, from Drobo, whoever it is, 
you want to look at this type of drive because it covers all three things, speed, reliability, and efficiency. Both of my Raider Rays I picked up used on eBay and have not had one problem with them. The R8 I picked up three years ago for about $1,800, and the R4 I picked up with four terabytes of drives in it for about $500. Those drives today are probably selling anywhere from $250 to $350 with hard drives in them. And a lot of people overlook those as options for their editing and they shouldn't. So that's my breakdown of the five mistakes that I see beginning editors make. If you have any questions for us, please drop them in the comments. I'd love to be able to help you on your journey as an editor. If you wanna support the channel, the best thing that you can do is click that like button below. And you can also hit the subscribe button and click the bell so you get notified every time we upload a video. Thanks everyone for watching and until the next one I will see you soon. Yay!